Blog Talk Radio.
Well, welcome to Prayer International Radio. This is our, I guess, what is today, Tuesday? Yes, it is Tuesday night broadcast. Our call-in number, 619-638-8458. I am your host for tonight, Sean Holmberg. If you need prayer for anything over the next two hours, please give us a call. So, tonight, um, let's see where the Lord wants to go with this tonight. Father God, for all those who are listening tonight, Lord. Holy Spirit, we know that the letter brings death, but your spirit brings life. Father, take this word and make it alive to us tonight. Take your scriptures, Holy Spirit, and open them up to us so that we can have a renewed mind, Father. That as your scripture declares to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, Lord, that you would give us the grace, Father, to start seeing things in a different way, Lord. That we would start seeing the world around us, Lord, not through our eyes, Father, but through yours. And that in return, Lord, you would transform our very senses and our very perception in the way we can live our life, Father, in the way we conduct our business, Father, even the way we think. Your word declares... As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And as the man said to you, Jesus, I believe, but help my unbelief. Father, tonight we're asking that you would help our unbelief, Father. Your word declares the Spirit helps us in our weakness, because we do not know how to pray as we ought, or what to pray as we ought. So Holy Spirit, give us revelation of how to press in, how to step in, Father into that secret place, Lord. Not so that we can pray for things, Father. Not so we can even pray for our own lives, Lord. But that we can step beyond that. That we as a body of believers, we as your church, Father, that we can actually go past the thoughts of this world and the intentions of this world which is all about what we get and what we want, Father. But transform us, Lord, so our desire is simply for you. You said that David was a man after your own heart, Father. And so we desire to be people, to be children after your own heart. Father, for far too long we've served our own our own. Um, desires, our own ambitions, planning our own ways, even though your word declares a man will plan his ways, but you direct his steps. So, Father, direct our steps tonight straight into the holy place, straight into your presence, Father. Grant us a desire, a hunger, and a thirst that is unquenchable outside of your presence, Outside of the revelation that comes, Holy Spirit, when you take this word and make it alive in us. There's a lot of things we could pray for, Father. We could pray for people to be healed. We could pray for salvations. We could pray for the nations of the world that are warring against each other. 
Father, but it all starts with you. It all starts when we lay our lives aside. As your scripture said, consider yourself to be dead to sin and alive to God. You said we're new creatures in Christ Jesus, but yet we still don't know what kind of creatures we really are. So, Lord, as it says in Ephesians, that you would open the eyes of our hearts, that they would be flooded with light, that we would know what is the hope of your calling. Father, for you didn't desire just workers in the field, but you desired friends. Jesus, you said you no longer call us servants, for a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. Lord, we desire to step past the, the servant barrier mindset, the servant mentality that's all about working. Lord, and we desire to step into an actual friendship with you. Jesus, as the story in Scripture proclaims, declares how Mary sat at your feet and Martha was busy working, Lord. We desire to rest from our laborers and to sit at your feet, to inquire in your holy tabernacle, to dwell in your presence, Lord. To let the outpouring and the manifestation of your grace and your kindness toward us be the reason that things happen, Father. Not just because we put our hand to them, but because walking with you through obedience, Lord, we obey your commands and in expectation wait to see you move. Father, for if we move without you, it does nothing and it profits nothing. The flesh kills, the word, the word alone kills. But it's the Spirit who brings life. Holy Spirit, reveal to us that which the disciples learned on the day of Pentecost. Give us a real encounter with your presence. Give us a real encounter of your presence. So that we can understand as they did what it truly means to fellowship with you what it truly means when Jesus said it was to our advantage that he would go away. Because he said if he didn't go away, that he couldn't send you. So, Father, tonight we repent of our actions through ignorance, Lord. Of seeking your hands, Lord, and not your heart. Father, desiring to progress ourselves when the only progression that we should be making is in our relationship with you. Father, teach us about faithfulness to you, Lord. Teach us what it means to be intimate with you. Teach us what it means to walk in your grace, Lord, to walk in your strength. 
to rest from our labors and to enter into the rest that comes with full assurance that your promises will be fulfilled, that the words that you have spoken over our lives, over our nations, Father, over this world, that we could come into full assurance and trust, standing in faith upon what you declared to be true. Father, and give us revelation of what you have declared so that it wouldn't merely just be words that we read, but that we be transformed and begin to walk in the new life that you proclaimed in your word. You know, it's funny, I was listening to um, Bill Johnson, um, who is a um, pastor out in California, and he made a good point, which um, I figured I would bring up. Um, In that he said, some people serve the Lord for the sake of, or they're intimate with the Lord for the sake of believing they will obtain favor and believing that the progression of the gospel and the progression of their lives and their ministry come through the intimacy with the Lord. And then there are some who are intimate with the Lord not because of works or anything else that they could gain, but they're intimate with the Lord because they desire to know Him, because they desire the friendship that the Bible declares that we had. When Jesus said that He no longer called us servants, but He declared us to be friends. And so there's two types of Christians in this world, and many times we all fall into both. We fall into both categories. Um, he went so far as to say that some people are intimate with the Lord on a professional basis only when it comes to actually doing things, actually working, actually doing the job of the ministry or or their life or whatever else. And like he said, you know what we call people who are intimate as a profession. And it seems um, in some ways that's what the, um, the church has become or that's what ministry has become. It's become a point of being intimate with the Lord, seeking the Lord for what he can do for us, because we have a vision in our head that is made up with um, pictures of where we expect and hope and desire that we will be. And while there's some truth in the vision that the Lord has given us, the way we think we need to go about getting to that vision is sometimes drastically different than the plans and the purpose that God has and what he desires for our life. Because we feel that we get a vision and we have to strive to make it to that vision epicenter, um, to the, I guess, the um, height of that vision. And that we believe if we study more, read our Bible more, spend more time with God, if we strive to 
make ourselves appear worthy enough to enter into the place that the Lord has called us, that he'll somehow move us into that place. When in reality, what the Lord desires is not people who are going to seek his face because their end goal is to be at a place that resides in the physical realm of the world that we live. But he desires people who will seek his face because they want to be intimate with him and know him. And the end response and the manifestation and outpouring of the relationship that we have with the Lord automatically transfers into an outpouring of the grace and the supernatural workings of the Lord because being intimate with the Lord, we enter into a realm where, as um, it's been said, we are more conscious of the world of the supernatural and of the spiritual. We're more aware of the spiritual natural realm where God resides than we are of the world that we actually inhabit. And the world that you actually are more aware of will have a direct impact on the way that you live your life. If we're more aware and our consciousness is more aware of the physical realm and the physical rules and the physical laws of the world around us, then our mindset, our actions, our everything we do will be based on the decisions made from the knowledge which we've obtained from the realm that we're conscious of. But yet, if our consciousness and our awareness is more of the spiritual realm, is more of the realm of the Father, and of the insight that only comes through the Father, through the Holy Spirit, as the Bible declares, the Holy Spirit um, searches the deep things of God. And then Jesus said, we'll declare them unto us. If we're more conscious of that realm of intimacy, walking in intimacy, not having intimacy become a place that we go to, as in a prayer closet, but intimacy being an actual lifestyle that we've stepped into in a way that it actually becomes our life. Because you see, you can enter into a prayer closet with an aim and a goal of spending time with the Lord, um, seeking the Lord, um, inquiring of Him, which is fine. And there's times that we need to enter into our closet um, as much as possible. But there's also a realm of taking the prayer closet and having the prayer closet not be a place that you go to, but a very atmosphere and awareness that you live in. Because the Bible declares, like Jesus said, the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Because God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And, you know, there's people who consider worship something that they do, it's an act that they enter into, whether out of responsibility or even those who enter into worship as an actual act because they love worship or the music or the intimacy that they feel with the Lord when they're performing the act. And then there's people who work who worship isn't an act that they walk that they step into, but it's a very presence they carry about them and their heart has been transformed on the inside. So it's not just an outward action that they actually um, work, but it's actually an outpouring of their very nature. And the same thing is true with intimacy. 
you can have intimacy be an act. I'm going to go to the Lord here. I'm going to go inquire of the Lord. I'm going to seek the Lord. I'm going to go spend time with the Lord, which is fine. But then there is the revelation and the realization that the Bible declares, and God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So it's not that he is in that place which we need, we need to go into, but it's that his very presence accompanies us, accompanies us wherever we go. And if we enter into the revelation and the understanding that his presence is with us wherever we go, then our fellowship is not limited to a specific time or a place, but it becomes a very, a very outpouring of our very nature is to be intimate with the Father. And it looks like we have a caller, so I'm going to bring them on the line. And this is chat name Smash240. Hi, welcome to Prayer International Radio. Hey there. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing good, and you? I am very good tonight. Hi, I wanted to read First John chapter 2, and then I also have a couple of prayers. Okay. All right. So if you have your swords, get your swords out. First John chapter 2. And this is from, I'm just reading it from the King James. My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the appropriation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word... In him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abided in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past, and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light, and hateth his brother, is in darkness, even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because 
ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you. And ye have overcome the wicked one. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Little children, it is the last time, and as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out, that they might be made manifest, that they were not all of us. But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. I have not written unto you, unto you because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar? But he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ, he is Antichrist, that denieth the Father and the Son. Whoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. Let that therefore abide in you, which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he hath promised us even eternal life. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If ye know that he is righteous, ye know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. Amen. Amen. really like that chapter. It sort of ties in um, with um, the book of John 2, where it says... Um, Verse chapter 1, it says um, in, okay, now I lost it. I know it's in here somewhere. Um, okay, I don't know where it is. All right, so y'all forgive me. I thought I had a verse there, but I'm not sure where it is. Oh, here it is. I was actually on the page to begin with. All right, this is John 3. It says, um, verse 17. I know we all know John 3:16, but... You know, every word of the Bible is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And, you know, um, it says in verse 17, For God did not send his world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that the, that the light has come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. 
For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may clearly may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. Amen. Amen. Um, you know, Jesus said, um, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Um, and I think I'm going to, um, sometime, maybe tonight, I'm going to play um, a video. Um, you won't see the video. You'll just hear the video um, of a message that Bill Johnson gave. Because um, he's um, a very anointed and um, very intimate person with the Lord. Um, full of revelation that comes from the Holy Spirit. Um, not that um, I couldn't actually stay here and um, preach a good message, but the fact is that, you know, we're not here to promote ourselves. We're here to promote the Lord Jesus, wherever that is, or however that is. Um, Amen. It's not a popularity contest. Right. And, you know, if there's, if there's um, something for... If there's some person out there who has wisdom, I have no problem saying, hey, y'all, every single one of y'all need to go here, read this, look at this, see this person, <clears throat> because anything that can edify and uplift the body of Christ should be our goal and our aim. It should never be to glorify, us, glorify ourselves, but it should be to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, did you also have a prayer request, too? Oh, I have a prayer. Okay. By all means, pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you lose your spirits of adoption, grace, supplication, truth, peace, perfect, agape, true, pure love, the love of God and our love for each other, joy, sound mind, praise, worship, prayer, holiness, obedience, grace, Mercy, conviction, repentance, deliverance, seven spirits of God, wisdom, counsel, might, understanding, knowledge, fear of the Lord, the Holy Spirit of the Lord, trust, a hunger for the word of God, profit, prosperity, abundance, humility, thankfulness, perseverance, steadfastness, service, Fairness, purity, self-control, boldness, revelation, excellence, success, and victory. And to myself, friends, everyone that's going to be listening to the show, everyone involved in the show, Sean, your friends and family, and all the people listening and all their friends and families, the entire body of Christ, all true churches, and all believers. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. <clears throat> Thank you very much. So, um, for all of y'all who are listening, our call-in number is 619-638-8458. Um, for all you, for the people who are in the chat room. So, um, I'm going to go ahead and play this one thing I was listening to and share it with all of you. Um, it's also on YouTube, but I'm going to put it live. So, Give me one second to switch over my speakers because I think you're going to really, um, the Holy Spirit will really speak to you through this. So just one second.
Okay, can all of y'all still hear me out there? I can hear you. Good. Okay, so here we go. This is a message from Bill Johnson called The Resting Place. Jesus was baptized in water. And in Mark's account, it emphasizes something that's really important for joy may be full. Now listen carefully. If we do not get our joy from breakthroughs, kingdom breakthroughs, then we have to get our joy from the discipline of prayer. And when our joy comes from the discipline of of prayer, then we begin to celebrate form rather than breakthrough, form rather than substance. It's the beginning of the formation of religion, religion being form without power. And it starts by becoming a people that have to we have to derive our satisfaction with the fact that we put in X amount of hours, we did this many baths, we did all these kinds of things, therefore we're devoted to the Lord. And when Jesus designed this thing, he said, you'll ask the Father in my name, he's going to do whatever you ask, and he's going to do it, that your joy may be full. Now, joy is such a priceless heavenly commodity. We do not have, I, I don't know that we've begun to understand the, uh, the measure, the value of joy in heaven. It is such a priceless commodity in heaven that the Father reserved that as the reward for Jesus in enduring the cross. It says, and he endured the cross because of the joy set before him. Joy was the reward for the suffering. It was what the Father gave him to honor him for his obedience. Joy is that valuable. And the scripture says that your breakthrough in prayer is supposed to be that resource that brings continuous, ongoing fullness of joy. Our problem is that we continue to pray for what we possess. And if I pray for what I possess, but I live in ignorance of what I possess, then I never have the experience of the breakthrough that brings exhilaration and joy. Does this make any sense? All right. It's a big deal because we pray for many things. How many times have we prayed, Lord, be with us today? He said, I'll never forsake you. I'll never leave you. It's not a prayer he can answer. And what we do is we actually pray things that war against what he has promised. It's not okay. It's not okay. Because we fill our heart and mind with things that actually war with what God has declared. When he says, I will never forsake you, let there never be words that come out of my mouth that contradict that. And especially words that we put in the category of prayer. When he, (laughs) you guys doing all right? You have to just smile now and then or you'll scare me, all right? I'm I'm going to be as nice as I can be tonight and have a lot of fun with you, but I, I want to throw a few punches first. Uh, uh, when he said Jesus was baptized in water and the heavens parted, the original language there is that the Father tore open the heavens. He tore open the heavens, and the Spirit came down. What was the prayer of Isaiah 64? Rend the heavens and come down. 
what happened at Jesus' baptism. The heavens were torn, the Spirit of God was released, and an open heaven was created. For most Christians, closed heavens are between the ears. They exist in the thought life that literally empowered darkness to do exactly what the believer had believed. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. Amen? The Spirit of God lives in us. The scripture says the Father is jealous for the Spirit in us. He is the one who tore the heavens open. What demonic power can block the fellowship of the Spirit of God in you and the Father in heaven? There is no power that can separate. There isn't any demonic power, any realm that is significant and powerful enough to prohibit or to block that fellowship. Therefore, you live under an open heaven. Now, what do we want? We want it over our cities, of course. But it's faithfulness in these realms, these realms of obedience and in prayer, so that as I live in, under an open heaven, I learn through uh, demonstrations of faith, through walking in realms of authority, then that openness of uh, open heaven over me continues to expand until when I walk into a room, when you walk into a room, the entire atmosphere changes. Now, what I'm not trying to do is to create, you know, some class of believer that just becomes uh, very self-focused, that people think that we're men and women of God. You understand that it's not about that at all. What it is is the Spirit of God lives in every believer, but he does not rest upon every believer. The Scripture says in, in the Gospel of John concerning this baptism of Jesus, that when he came up out of the water, the Spirit of God came upon him in the form of a dove and remained. It's a significant statement because doves are very nervous. They're extremely sensitive birds. They take flight at the slightest uh, surprise. If I have a dove sitting on my shoulder in the natural and I don't want him to fly away, how am I going to walk down these stairs? Every step is going to be with the dove in mind. The goal for the believer he is in me eternally. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you, but he does not rest upon all of us always. And the goal for the believer should be that we would learn how to host the presence of God, that his presence might rest upon us and alter the environment of every place that we go. It is possible to give place to the Spirit of God to rest upon us and remain so that as we go places, Things shift and change simply because you stepped into the room. I've experimented with this for years, and I'm telling you, what you become conscious of, you have your position to manifest. What you become aware of, you are positioned to release. The ministry of the gospel is not merely a, mess, a ministry of words. It is a ministry of releasing presence into the earth. Jesus is 
walking down the road. People are pressing in. They're asking questions. They're extremely impressed with what they just saw him do. The crowds are there. There's excitement. And he stops. Says, who touched me? And he turns around and he looks. And he sees a woman who's been sick forever. Spent all her money trying to get well. It didn't work. And all she did was touch the edge of his clothing. Now, the anointing, the presence of the Spirit of God is substance. It's not a theory. It's not a doctrine. It is the substance of God's person rested upon Jesus so dramatically that when she touched the edge of his garment, she was able to make a demand, put a withdrawal on what he carried. Now, picture this. What is it like to live with such a consciousness of presence upon you that you know when someone else has made a demand? Now, remember this. The Spirit of God was given to Jesus without measure. So we're not talking about somebody taking it all and now I'm exhausted because I have nothing left. It's not that. It's that he has such an awareness of the Spirit upon him because that Holy Spirit is who communicates what the Father is doing, who empowers his words, his actions. It is the Holy Spirit that is the connection, if you will, between him and the Father. We know he only does what he sees his Father do. We know he only says what he uh, says when he hears his father say. So he's walking down the road. Somebody touches his garment. He's aware of a release of power and stops. He said, who touched me? And he sees the woman. And she's, of course, is very healed, uh, completely healed. Peter and James are, walk- James are walking to the temple, and they see a man who's lame from birth. And Peter says, I don't have any money, but I will give you what I have. This is such a profound statement because he didn't say, I'm going to pray for you. He said, I'm going to give to you something that I possess. When we live in ignorance of what we possess, we fail to write the checks that are equal to the bank account that God has given us. We write such small checks of risk, if I can use checks as a metaphor, we write such small checks in ministry. You understand, I'm not talking about money here. We take such small risks because we live with such ignorance of what we already possess. I pray that in, uh, as a result of these days that we've had together uh, in this conference, is that the ongoing revelation of God would rest upon us as a people to discover what he has already imparted to us so that we can uh, reasonably pursue the increase in what we're lacking and what we're missing. Instead of praying for what we already possess, where we just, let's be honest, when you pray for what you possess, prayer becomes boring. We become very fatigued in prayer and bored in prayer because we fail to get the breakthrough. And the real issue is that we live in ignorance what has already been deposited into our lives. So here Peter walks and he grabs the man's hand. He says, what I have, I'm going to give you. Now, rise in the name of Jesus. What happened to him? Jesus said the kingdom is within you. Now, that kingdom is released in many different ways. It is released through touch. It is released through prophetic act. It is released to the word. In John chapter 6, Jesus said, My words to you are spirit and they are light. When 
whatever Jesus spoke, he spoke what the Father was saying. So nothing originated. I, I remind you, Jesus so limited himself that he couldn't do any miracles. He couldn't, you know, he couldn't allow anybody. He had, he had emptied every, put everything aside so that he'd have to get it from the Father to have impact. And so he was that dependent. And so here he is. Everything he has to give, he has to give now from the Father as a human being that has nothing to give. Because he wanted to model what life could be like for every person in this room. Any person who's forgiven of sin and is empowered by the Spirit of God. And so Jesus makes this declaration. It's a profound lesson in John 6. My words to you are spirit and they are life. Jesus is the word of God made flesh. But every time he spoke, the word of God became spirit. Word made flesh. Word made spirit. Why is that important? Romans says, Paul said this in Romans, he said, the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is not meat or drink, it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is in the Holy Spirit. When words become spirit, the realms of God's dominion are released over humanity. When we say what the Father is saying, then we literally impart presence through speech. It is not the volume. It is not the profundity. It is the source. Was it from the heart of the Father? If we tap the heart of the Father and we speak, then something is released, and it is the person of the Holy Spirit who himself contains the realm of the kingdom, king's domain. The realm of God's dominion is contained in the realm of the Spirit. When we say what the Father is saying, we change the options of every hearer. When Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, he was letting them know, when I talk to you, a reality is released over you that changed your options. And your answer is within reach. It's at hand. So here's Jesus, who's touched, his garment is touched, power leaves him, and changes a woman's health. Peter realized what he carried, what I have I give you in the name of Jesus. This became such a significant part of the early church's life that the community took note of where these believers would go. Stories passed around the community that said, just bring the sick out along the road when Peter goes to pray. And just get him close enough so his shadow will touch him. Now, shadows have no substance. What we're talking about is getting the sick close enough physically to his person so that when he walks by, his shadow will touch them and that person will be healed, that person will be delivered. It's amazing that the community actually became aware they didn't get it through teaching, they didn't get it through doctrine, they didn't get it through anything except observation that when the man of God walked down the road, he changed his environment. It was so powerful that they finally said, just get the sick. 
bring him into the road, lay him down close to where Peter's going to walk, because he's going over there to pray, and he's over here right now. So get the sick between him and there. Shadows have no substance. What's the point? Your shadow will always release whatever overshadows you. What do you host? What is your? What are your affections anchored into? What are you conscious of? What do you live conscious of? We know instinctively, without anybody teaching us, that a, a depressed Christian will not walk into a room and see their shadow heal people. Why? Because we know instinctively anyone who's depressed, well, whatever, whatever's going on, they are turned inward. And when we are turned inward, while we have the capacity to release presence, we have, in fact, become a dead sea. The dead sea is a place where water flows in, but nothing goes out. And for that reason, everything in the sea is dead. And as believers, this happens to us. When we get wrapped up in fear, when we get wrapped up in anxiety, when we become discouraged, depressed, and we allow that thing to be prolonged in our life, we don't take biblical matters. We, we don't take things according to what Scripture says and, and apply the biblical solutions to these issues. What happens is we become very self-absorbed. You may even be one that criticizes yourself and, and, and efforts to be humble, but listen, it's still self-centered. I used to pray for hours and hours and hours and hours, but it was all about me. It was about me. I was confessing, oh, God, how rotten I was. And I was doing all this stuff that looked really good on the outside. And it might have been really good in a book somewhere. But there wasn't liberty in a relationship because I was preoccupied by what I wasn't instead of being preoccupied by who he is. There is a shift, and that kind of self-centeredness is no more legal than walking around saying, we're the greatest thing on the planet, we're the greatest thing since sliced bread. That kind of arrogance is easy to spot, but the other kind sneaks into church daily. Because it, it exhibits false humility, and false humility will never take you to your destiny. True humility will. And so we have these stories in Scripture where people would simply touch. Paul is working. He's building tents, and they learn. There's such a presence of God on this man that somebody, just get the apron that he worked in. Grab that piece of cloth. Take it over to Aunt Martha. She's tormented with demons. Put it on her back and watch what happens. And they would. They would take the cloth from his body. They would take the stuff that he worked in. But the presence that abided on him wasn't just in him for his eternal security. wasn't just in him to give him comfort in life. It was upon him to alter and to change the environment around him. Paul said this. He says, you are restricted by your affections. What does that mean? When I am self-centered, when I'm worried about myself, I'm fearful, I'm anxious, I'm whatever it might be, when I'm turned inward, I have restricted the flow of the anointing from me. Why? Because the anointing flows through godly affection. Watch how the Spirit of God moves in any setting. You watch in any meeting. Just watch. You just watch. I'll look around the room, and there are times where let's just say we were going to minister prophetically to someone. What I would do is I'd just start talking to you until my heart started to get pulled by an individual. Why? Because affection. I'm talking about godly affection now. I'm not talking about human natural appearance. I'm not talking about the person who wears the T-shirt that says, pick me, pick me. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about 
Your godly affection where you're drawn to an individual. It's unexplainable, but don't stop and think about it. Act, because that is where the anointing is going to be released. Paul says you're restricted by your affections. So what happens when I get wrapped up with fear and anxiety? That which is supposed to flow from me, that river of divine presence that is supposed to alter the geography around me, is now constrained and restricted to be to to um, just to satisfy my own life. And what happens, as I've already stated, is it becomes the Dead Sea. Jesus healed and touched and delivered so many people in three and a half years that the earth couldn't contain a full record. Now that's not. That's incomprehensible to us. The impact was so significant that if every detail was recorded, we couldn't record them all. Now that is the Holy Spirit unquenched in one man in three and a half years. It is that presence resting on one person for three and a half years. So significant that when Peter learned this from him and began to host the presence himself and learn how to have that spirit, that dove, rest upon him and remain without compromise, without the kinds of things that drive away, not the presence in the sense that God withdraws from us and the covenant is broken. I, I hope you understand. I don't, I don't mean that. The spirit of God is in us. He made a covenant. He'll never leave us. Leave us. But there is a presence, a spirit of, the spirit of God that rests upon us that is there according to the assignment we have, the yieldedness that we have to what God's purposes are in the earth. And we see this kind of a model for us in Paul that can build tents so powerfully that even his manual labor, there was an anointing on it where they could take his clothing to the diseased and tormented and they could be set free. Profound. That Peter could merely walk from his house to the temple and people would be healed on the way, and there wasn't any stopping to lay hands. It was the presence that rested upon him. Now, I don't know what you guys do with this, but this just makes me jealous. It just makes me, this makes me ache inside for what is possible. Now, you know that Jesus said, greater works than these shall you do. So when he models something that is head and shoulders above anything I've ever experienced, and then he, he, he doesn't stop there. He says, by the way, you're going to go past what I did then, you know, you either don't believe it or you just get crazy with hunger. You just kind of get stupid with hunger and say, oh, God, just do whatever it takes, and please just rest upon me. Work on me. Work do something in me so that I can actually impart presence. Okay, well, welcome back to Prayer International Radio. That's the first half of the message. I may actually get to play the, another half later on. Um, can all y'all still hear me out there in the chat room? All right, good. So, call in number 619-638-8458. If you need prayer for something, um, give us a call. And, you know, one day touch on something he said um, and try to just expound on it uh, 
tiny bit and probably not nearly as good as he did. Um, you know, Bill Johnson um, has a church in um, California, and he has this thing, um, not really a thing, but a way of um, doing ministry, which is to impart um, faith and action to believers, as far as not that he's always standing up there um, praying for people. Um, or every time someone's sick, he's not the one who goes down and starts praying for him. But I've been in um, some of his services where he'll just have the person who's next to you pray for you, because what he has, what he wants to make the church aware of is that the presence of God and the Holy Spirit who dwells in us is not limited to one individual person or one individual ministry. Because the ministry doesn't belong to the person, but the ministry belongs to Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And we're walking in the works of Jesus. The Bible says in Ephesians, for um, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now then, um, so what Bill Johnson does is the same thing that... um, that um, Chris and Paul and everybody else talk about um, all the time about being the same Holy Spirit. And, you know, um, what he said was true. There's no difference between um, um, Peter and us. Um, The only difference that would come between Peter and us is the revelation of the encounter that we have with the Lord and how we let the encounter we have with the Lord change the way we view the world around us and how we let the encounter that we have with the Lord become manifest in our life so that the, the the outpouring of the revelation becomes that river of living water. When the Bible says, when Jesus said, whoever drinks of the water I will give him, it will become a fountain of living water springing up into everlasting life. And the life that we get from the Father, or from Jesus, the Bible says in the book of John, it says, he was the light that gives light to all men coming into the earth. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And so when we take him, we take the revelation of his presence, of his authority, of his heart, and we let that sink into our spirits so that we become conscious of his active role and transforming the world when he said the kingdom of God is at hand. It means that the realm of God's authority, the realm of God's dominion, has an active has ability to become active in the world around us where you can where like um he was saying in the message, you can walk into a place and transform the very atmosphere around you not by your words and not by any physical actions, but just because of the fact that you're aware of the, you're aware of the presence of God. Now then, um, I've, I've actually seen this happen, um, and, you know, I'm going to – I'll give you a story because it's the best way I can actually explain it. And I'm not um, – <clears throat> I'm not going to, um, and I'm not saying this to boast about me or anything else, but just a demonstration of what God reveals to us at times, is that I was in this church once, and um, this was a really, really, really small church. Um, when I say small, it was about like six people. And 
the church had was um, not orthodox in any way. But what they did was they had a bunch of chairs lined up in a circle, and people stood in the sat in the circle, inter actually interacting with each other, praying with each other, and understanding that the presence of the Holy Spirit was right there in the room with them. And they were actually fellowshipping with with each other and getting revelation from each other as they heard, as they heard the voice of God. Now they had um, a couple um, ladies who would sing at the beginning of the um, service, and you know one of the things that I had noticed early on because I had come from um, not what you would necessarily call a mega church, but a rather large church um, that I, um, the Holy Spirit. Um, had brought me to, um, not because of the size, but because of the anointing of the presence of God that was on the place. Um, not even just the anointing, just the presence of God that I could walk into the church I grew up in, um, not not as a not grow up as in a child growing up in the Lord. I grew up in a place where His presence was so manifest and so evident that just walking into the sanctuary, you could feel the presence of God, and you could feel the atmosphere change. I've been to prayer meetings at people's houses. Um, there was one time one of my friends took me to one that was about an hour and a half away from where I live, and you know it was just a they were all just a bunch of people who got together to pray and um, seek the Lord. And I remember he drove, and we got out of the car, and we're walking on the sidewalk up to the house, and before we even got around the corner to where the house was, I could immediately already feel the presence of God because something in the atmosphere had actually changed because the presence of the Lord that was resting upon the house was manifesting out of the house, changing the very environment of the house of the, of the neighborhood around them. They didn't have to run out screaming and yelling or anything else or trying to preach at the top of their lungs. They just had to be in intimacy and relationship with the Lord. And that manifested outwards to change the environment around them because they were so conscious of the presence of God that his presence was <clears throat> was actually more real in that one place <clears throat> than the world than the actual physical realm around them. You know, you can someone told me once, and it's actually true, that when you walk in somewhere, say you like you are you have a job and you have an elevator, you can walk and you can actually be in the elevator with someone in the very presence of God, in the very um, atmosphere of his presence that you carry upon you, will touch and change the person that you're in an elevator with, even if no words ever leave leave your mouth. Because it's not always about the words that you speak, it's about the presence of God that rests upon you and that you carry with you. And if you're consciously and actively in a place of relationship where you're resting in your relationship with the Lord, that you understand and you get the actual revelation that he said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. It means that no matter where you are, he is there also. And then you can enter in into communion and fellowship with the Lord, and you don't have to strive and you don't have to work. You just have to exist. Because you realize that your existence is not as you being alone, praying to the Lord to help you fulfill some kind of calling or ministry that you have on your life, but that <clears throat> excuse me, but that you have the understanding that you're walking with the Lord, and that everywhere you go, He is, and so the very presence of the Lord is enough 
to change the atmosphere around you without you actually having to do anything. Because our relationship with God, the intimacy that we have with the Lord, the fellowship and the friendship we have with the Lord shouldn't be an act. And it shouldn't be an action that we have to go and try to attempt to do for the purpose of obtaining something. It should be a state in which we live that our very character, our very nature, as the Bible declares as new creations in Christ Jesus, transforms the inside of us so that we no longer live in the realm of the physical world around us, even though we're walking in the physical, we're actually living and walking in the physical realm. We're not operating in the physical realm, and our spiritual man is more aware of the presence of the Father and the commands and the authority and the power of the Father, that when things happen in the world around us that would normally affect other people, and cause fear and um, chaos and sorrow, we're going to be in a place, like the Bible says, to give an answer to those who ask of you of the hope that is in you. You don't always have to do something. Sometimes, like, like with the story of Mary and Martha, you don't have to always be constantly working. Sometimes you can just rest at the feet of Jesus. Because our focus should not be on ministry, but our focus should be on him. And working with him, and if he commands us to do ministry or whatever it is he commands us to do, we act in a, in a state of obedience, and the manifestation of his presence will actually make an impact. Because there, there are many preachers out there um, who operate, and they have gifts, and they have the gifts from the Father. And they they can operate in those gifts, and they can have um, they can be amazing writers or amazing preachers. But there's only so much power that comes with that that's based just upon the gifts they have alone. Um, another message that um, Bill Johnson gave a, a, a while ago was stating that you know the Bible says that he gave the Spirit without measure, but there's only such a such a level. Of his presence that we can actually operate in, because our because if your desire is to operate operate for the sake of the minute the sake of ministry, then you'll only be operating with the gifts that God has given you. But it's not the gifts that actually bring life, but the Spirit. It's the power of God. Um, you know, when you go and lay hands on the sick, um, or you're praying for someone to be healed like we do um, on the radio show sometimes, it's not the words that are coming out of our mouth except the fact that it's the words of the Father. And at the point that we actually stand in agreement with him upon his words, declaring that his words are true, despite what the, situ the current situation may say, we're actually proclaiming and agreeing with the Father that even though the situation says this, his word declares this and has authority and the, 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 the dominion of the Father and the realm of the Father and the will of the Father has more authority than the, than the realm of the world and the situation that the world has. And so when the word of God meets, meets the realm of sickness, then the word of God and the dominion of God takes authority and causes a change. Now all we have to do is actually walk in obedience when it says lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Jesus didn't say, 
lay hands on the sick, and they might recover. He said, lay hands on the sick, and they will recover, not stating that it's a that it's a 50-50 chance or that it's a gamble. He was stating that this is my command, my words that go forth from my mouth will not return to me void. You act If you walk in this, then my word will have the ability to become active in that situation and take control over the situation and create a change in the physical realm around you. You don't always have to, um, you know, when, when we pray for people, and I'll give you a story. There's times I've um, went to hospitals or places and um, pray for people. And um, and, the, and what I know, and I've talked to Chris about this, is, and, or no, it was actually my wife I was talking to about, about it the other night, is that, you know, of every time that I've seen someone drastically healed um, – not something simple like um, a fever or something small, but when something was was really serious and there was an amazing amount of healing that needed to be done to restore a person to the place where they could actually have actual life, then every single one of those times when I've prayed for someone, it was never something that happened right then at that very second, but it was always something that happened a couple days, uh, a day or two later where the Lord began a process. Now, I couldn't actually physically with my eyes see anything actually happening. All I could do is see with, with the spiritual man where the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. And walking in a, and walking in a state of obedience to the Lord, understanding that my abilities are limited, but his are without end. And at the end of and at the end of your act of obedience is where the Lord can take your act of obedience and transform it and add supernatural power and breath and fire and life to it. And so hopefully I'm not losing anybody there. Um, so um, so and you know that's the thing is there's a difference between the way the the church walks nowadays. Um, and the way the disciples walked, because the disciples had a revelation of the presence of God and a revelation of the Holy Spirit as far as they actually considered the Holy Spirit, not some some part of God that was floating in the air, but an actual person they had communion and fellowship with. When the disciples said in the book of Acts, they said, and it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us, they weren't stating that they had prayed and that they were just assuming that, that the, the Father was good with it because they had a good feeling. What they were stating was that they had an actual fellowship with the Holy Spirit, and they carried the presence of the Holy Spirit so that they understood that when he spoke, they could get his counsel. Now, let me just um, say this. Jesus said he didn't do anything unless his Father did it. He didn't say anything unless his unless he heard the Father speak it. And so the words that were coming out of the mouth of Jesus were be, were literally being quoted from the Father himself. And they were speaking in alignment, and Jesus was coming into agreement with his Father on what the Father had actually proclaimed and declared. And in the same like manner, the Holy Spirit is... When the Holy Spirit gives us revelation, it's not always something that... It's not just what the Holy Spirit is wanting to say at that moment in time, but it's actually the counsel of the Father. 
And so we're getting direct revelation through the Holy Spirit of the heart of the Father at any particular moment in time. And then we come into the agreement with the Father on what His will, on what His will declares, and what His desires and heart is for whatever the situation is that we're walking into. Now that could that could um, extend to someone needing to be healed, but it also could extend to feeding the homeless or um, something is something like that. Because we should live in a place where our hearts are constantly being transformed. Bible says to be transformed by the renewing of your own mind. The, your, your mind does not get renewed except for the Word of God, but it doesn't get renewed just because you're reading the Word of God. It gets renewed because the Holy Spirit takes the Word and makes it alive and gives you revelation on the Word. And it's the revelation that will actually change your life. You can have a great memory and memorize the Bible, and you can know plenty of scriptures. The Bible says even the, I mean, pretty much even the devil knows the scriptures, and he knows the Word of God. He demonstrated it. When he tried to tempt Jesus, the only difference was he didn't have the revelation that came along with it. And so we have the Word of God, and we can and we read the Word of God, and we meditate upon it. But then we not just we don't just stop there, so we get the Word, but we actually have the Holy Spirit come in and give us revelation, and take the Word and make the Word life. And when the word becomes life, it becomes a fountain of living water springing out through us, coming that actually we become channels of the life of Jesus. So we're not just quoting and declaring what's written in a book. What we're declaring is the actual heart of the Father. So we're not walking just based on people who know scripture, but we're walking on people who are walking. We're walking as um, believers who have revelation of what the word actually declares, in the, and not in our own opinions, but in the, the heart and the mind of the Father. You know, some people have said it doesn't always matter what you believe about the blood of Jesus or how much weight you give to the blood of Jesus. What really matters is what the Father's opinion is of it. There are two types of Christians in the world, um, sort of to go back on what we already said, but there's those types who do things in order to obtain favor or to obtain um, – or because to, to, they, they believe there's a type of joy and a type of peace they get from actually being able to accomplish something whether that's work or ministry. And then there's those people who do things and their whole life is focused and their and their eyes are focused not upon the work that's ahead of them and not as as and not upon some goal that they're that they're wanting to obtain and especially in ministry. Because a lot of times our eyes get so focused on the vision that we have from the Lord that we are we, it's sort of like we get this tunnel vision where we're looking at the end result, and the, when we're looking at the end result, our mind will immediately want to figure out through the flesh how we can actually get there. But it's when we can't, because we can do nothing of ourselves. Everything we do is through Him. And then there's those people who everything they do in their life is based on their relationship with the father when they're being when they're obedient to the father and 
the father tells them to do something, they act in obedience. It's not because they're trying to gain approval. It's because they're doing it because of the love they have and the friendship they have and the intimacy they have with the person. So they're doing it based on the relationship. Because there's two different ways that people want to please God. Some want to please God because they feel if they don't, they won't have his um, his blessing or his favor. But the Bible declared he already gave it to us. Jesus said, it's the, the scripture says that he has forever perfected those who are being sanctified. Some of us try too hard to try to sanctify ourselves try to sanctify ourselves and declare ourselves to be perfect to the Father, and we try to strive and work so that we can somehow measure up to a standard of perfection that we think we can somehow obtain, even though the Scripture says we can never upon our own ever obtain the level of perfection that we want to obtain, because the Bible says, for by grace you are saved through faith and not of yourself. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Those who try to strive to gain the to gain the acceptance of the Lord when they've already received the acceptance of the Lord spend all their time striving and working and they wear themselves out and then they get discouraged they can because they can never obtain something that they're striving for because they don't have the knowledge that they already have it. The Bible declares that we are accounted righteousness through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we walk, and not just walk, we are righteous. When the Father looks at us, he doesn't look at the struggles and the sin and everything else. What he looks at is the completed work of Christ Jesus upon our life, even though the full manifestation of the completed work in Christ Jesus, we may not have had the, re the, the revelation of yet. The Bible says that it is that we can't see we can't see and we don't know what we will be. And we can't fully see it says we see as in we see dimly. But when he is revealed everything will be known. And you know, there's a lot about the salvation and about the new creature um experience and about the new um when it says that we're new creatures in Christ Jesus, it literally means that we've been transformed. That our very identity, almost like our very DNA, has been um, mutated, if you will, and transformed into a new creature that is not based, and li the life of the new creature isn't based upon the flesh and the desire of the flesh. But we're new creatures based on the Spirit of God because we're living not in the flesh, but we're living according to the Spirit. Because the life that we have doesn't come from our own flesh. But our life comes from Jesus Christ and from the Holy Spirit of God. And when you come into the revelation that you've already been changed and there's nothing else for you to do but walk into and walk in a in a in a um, atmosphere of understanding that you have communion and fellowship with with God, then everything you do will be of a different mindset. You won't try to strive to do anything because you realize everything has already been done. Adam and Eve hid their faces from the Lord because they had sinned. Because when you're trying to do things on your own, you understand that you can't do it. And so then, out of shame, 
you will hide yourself from the only person who could have actually done the work to begin with that needed to be done, which is our restoration and our reconciliation. You know, as, as someone said, what happens is we actually are obedient to what Jesus said when he said, preach that the gospel is, is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, freely give, receive, freely give. We become, a, we become obedient to the Lord and walk in agreement with what he said, believing that if we do what he said, that he will fulfill his end of the bargain, which is that the power of the Holy Spirit will come in and perform the supernatural. And if you live in an expectation that God is going to do the supernatural because he's already declared it and that you're walking in the revelation that his word is active in your life and everything you do, then everything you do in the world you'll and everywhere you go, and you'll always be expecting a miracle. Not for the sake of the miracle, but just because you understand that the miracle is now available. Um, earlier when Bill Johnson said, you know, a lot of times we pray for things we already have. We ask a lot, a lot of times we will pray for things that the Father's already given us because we haven't received the revelation of how to walk in it. The Bible says we've already been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. It says we're seated with Christ Jesus in heavenly places. But a lot of times we ask the Father to actually give us those spiritual blessings or we ask the Father to help us be seated with him to help us enter in. Because somehow we think that we're still, that somehow we think that we're still behind the veil, when in reality there is no veil, because the veil of the temple was torn in two and it was actually separated. because some people are, some of the audio is messing up here. Um, so, um, so, so here's a, here's a little scenario about walking and what we already have. Um, Peter said, when Peter's shadow, um, would hit people, they would be healed. Peter didn't always have to pray to see something happen because he knew that he knew that he had that the same Holy Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead was inside of him and resting upon him, so that that he knew that the, that he he knew that his identity was as an ambassador to Christ Jesus. So he knew that when he spoke, he was speaking as though it was a direct word from the Father because their hearts were mended in the same. So when Peter when when Peter would speak, he wasn't necessarily always speaking based on his own desires and his own emotions, but he was proclaiming the heart of the Father. So when he said, rise up and, be, rise up and walk, 
he didn't have to strive and he didn't have to pray for hours. He didn't have to pray at all. He just said, this is what I have and let me give it to you. Because the Bible says freely you have received, freely give. And if we ever get to the point that we're no longer flow, and we're no longer letting the life of God flow out of us, then the world has lost all hope. Because if we're not letting, or if we're not willing to let the presence of Christ and to let the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and the authority and the dominion of heaven, which we've already been granted, if we're not willing to walk in that, then the world won't see any change. You know, Peter and um, the disciples were in it, were in the boat. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll do two stories here. One, you know, Peter's in the boat and he sees Jesus walking on the water. And, G and Peter's like, Lord, if it's you, let me uh, command me to come to you. And so Jesus said, come, okay? So all of a sudden, Peter stops thinking. Because a lot of times what we need to do is get, get outside of our own heads and get into the spirit. Because whatever, because sometimes what we think in our mind will over will overwhelm our spirits unless we're more conscious of the of what the Holy Spirit is saying through us. And so Peter starts walking toward Jesus. Now he's he's performing a supernatural act without really realizing it. He's just being obedient, coming to Jesus because Jesus said you can come. So he just decides he just starts going toward Jesus. Decides to focus on Jesus. A miracle's happening all around him. He's not actually having to do anything to see the miracle happen, except for be obedient and follow the command of the Lord, which was to come. But the second he took his eyes off of Jesus, he said he looked around and he saw that the winds were the waves were boisterous, and it wasn't so much the power of the water, and it wasn't the power of the ocean, or even the power of gravity, that caused Peter to sink. It was the fact that his eyes, he took his eyes off of, the, off of Jesus, and when he took his eyes off of Jesus and put his eyes on the problem, immediately his mind tried to come up with a, come up with, um, a resolution and uh, try to figure out how it is that he is standing. And the second that his eyes turned inward to himself and his own abilities was the minute he started sinking because the power that actually and the authority that let him walk upon the water – wasn't through his own abilities, but it was through the gift of it was through the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ. Because when he's looking at himself, trying to figure out how am I standing here on the water, walking on the water, he's lost sight of the fact that the Father had already said for him to come, and the Father didn't have to say it again. Jesus didn't have to say, and Peter didn't have to pray. Well, God, I know you said it once. Um, and you said I could come once. Please let me. Please say it again to me, so I can get out of this water. Because his word had already go, gone forth, and so Peter already had the ability to walk on the water. Even though he started the fall, he could have just gotten up and started walking again on the water, if he would have remembered the fact that Jesus already declared that he could come. And if he would have, and if he would have actually had the faith to believe that the word that God had spoken, he was able to complete. But even then, when he was sinking, he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord still reached down and pulled him out. You know, there's another story about the disciples all being on a boat, and, you know, there's a storm and a wind and a wave, and, you know, the waters, and um, 
in some ways always represent the, the earth itself and um, this life that we live of constant um, waves crashing to and fro. And, you know, the, they're in the boat and there's waves and they're crashing and all of a sudden they become fearful. Because the, one, the first thing they did is they forgot the fact that he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And the, very, the son of the living God was actually on the boat with them, and all of a sudden they were afraid for their own safety. Because for a split second, even though Jesus was in the boat, they forgot the revelation of who he actually was. When Jesus said, who do men say I am? And they said, well, some say Elijah and some say the prophet. And then Jesus looked at them and said, well, who do you say I am? And Peter said, you are Christ, son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So Peter had received a revelation of who Jesus was and who Jesus' authority and place in the kingdom of the Father. And he got it through revelation from the Holy Spirit, but yet when they get when they're on the boat, all of a sudden they lose sight of that revelation of who the Father was, and so immediately their eyes are no longer on Jesus and who Jesus is, but their eyes are on themselves and the situation around them. Because they started looking at the waves, and when they looked at the waves, the balance of power was between the waves and their own abilities, and they knew for a fact they did not have the ability of their own to do anything about the waves. And so they became afraid. And so they went and woke up Jesus. And Jesus went to the water. And he said, and he pretty much said, be calm. The waves obeyed him. Because Jesus didn't have a doubt who he was. And he knew the authority he carried. And he knew the presence that he carried from the Father. And then he looked at the disciples and he said, how is it you have no faith? And I believe he said it for two reasons. The first reason is because he took their eyes off of him. <clears throat> so immediately when they took their eyes off of the Father, they started looking at themselves. And their faith disappeared. And the second reason is because they could have actually spoke to the, spoke to the water themselves. And had the same effect. Because they still had the presence of God with them. Because he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And he, he was on the very boat with them. And they could have easily walked, walked over to the side of the boat, looked at the water and said, peace be still. Knowing that the words they were saying came from the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ who already declared to them the mantle and authority that he had placed on him. Are placed on them. And in the same manner, the church, <clears throat> excuse me, even now, we have a mandate from the Father because the Bible has declared that we get the same Holy Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from dead. It says that we've been sealed with this Holy Spirit until the day of the redemption. The scripture declares that the disciples would go forth preaching and declaring that the kingdom of God is at hand and the Holy Spirit would follow them, confirming the words with signs and wonders. So they would preach, declare the word of the God, the word of God, declare the oracles and the um, promises of the Father that he is that he's that he has um, made a way for all men to have salvation and have eternal life through Jesus Christ, and that by His stripes we are healed, 
and that they could lay hands on the sick, they could cast out demons and do all the stuff. And they declared what the word of God, what, what Jesus had already commanded of them. Speak it into existence. Which speaking in, into existence, all it took was actually agreeing with the Father. And then the Holy Spirit would confirm the words with signs and wonders. So the minute that they were able to get in line with the will of the Father in that situation, the Holy Spirit was able to move and act into the situation and cause a manifestation of the power of God to happen. Because nothing we do is just because of us. Everything we do is a partnership with us and the Holy Spirit. And we have to be mindful that we're constantly living in a place of understanding of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives so that all of our actions, all of our words, and everything we do is because we're mindful of his presence. You know, a man named David Hogan um, and his family, and I may have said this once in the show, said that him and his, him and his family fast um, six months out of every year, and they don't do it because they believe that fasting will make them holy or anything else. They fast because they always want to be mindful. They always want to be ready, be mindful of the relationship in which they carry and the... Um, and the relationship and intimacy they have with the Lord, and they want their spirits to be ready so that when an issue arises, they don't have to rush to try to get ready because they're already ready because they're walking in a spirit of anticipation of the Lord being able to move and manifest in the atmosphere around them. You know, Jesus would be walking around, and people who were demon-possessed would run up to Jesus and say, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. What are you to do with us? And it wasn't that Jesus had to go and point out to people that were demon-possessed. The problem already went to the place of the solution, which is Jesus, and the, and, the, and the demons couldn't hide from the knowledge that they knew who he was. And they knew the very fact that he was there was a declaration of the authority that he had. And so the demon said, do not cast us into the pit before the time, because they knew that he could in the authority that rested upon the Son of the living God. And in the same manner, I've been in um, straight witnessing before, and I've seen, and there's been times when people, um, I know this one girl um, who I used to go to church with a long time ago, and she would go out on the street, and she loved the Lord. And um, they would start doing street, min street ministry, and people would just walk up to this girl and say, how can I be saved? They didn't have to actually say one word out of their mouth, just the very fact they were there, the atmosphere and the presence of the Lord that rested upon them because they always walked in the presence of the Father. That the very fact they walked upon the street the very atmosphere of the street changed and the presence of God was manifest upon the street just because they were there with him. That would affect the people who were on the street and they sensed that there was something different, which was the presence of God, and they knew they had to have it. Anyway, this is Prayer International Radio, our call-in number, 619-638-8458. 
If you need prayer for something, give us a call. We're going to go to a quick break, and we will be right back. I hear the voice. It's the voice of the one I love. He's calling my name. I hear you calling me, Jesus. I hear the voice. Voice of the one I love is calling my name. Can you hear him coming? He's saying, Come up higher. I hear the angels sing. Come up higher, my beloved. Come up higher. This world behind, you'll find it to be beautiful. Welcome back to Prayer International Radio. Our calling number, real quick, 619-638-8458. If 
if you need prayer, we still have about 18 minutes of the show left. And so something that just, um, I wanted to say real fast, um, you know, it's like, like, like we were talking about um, walking in revelation of our identities um, through revelation of our relationship with the Lord. Um, and, then, you know, a lot of times, um, there are times when you um, pray for people and they don't get healed. But I think more often than not what happens is we pray for people without the expectation and the assurance of something actually happening. And um, just to explain that, a lot of times we go we go up to people and we pray for them, but in our hearts we don't actually believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that the person's going to be healed, and there's not that level of expectation that the Lord's about to move and the Lord's about to act. And it becomes more like a hopeful throwing out, a hopeful cry, please do this, when we already have, when Jesus already declared the authority and already and his and his word already went forth declaring the situation to be a certain way. In the same manner of Peter walking on the water to Jesus, when we lay when we go to pray for people to be like for in just an example, he said, Lay hands on the sick and they will recover. It wasn't that we go and pray for people and there's a chance that it may happen. He said, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So what's the difference between the commands of Jesus and the actions and the, and the results that we actually see, except for our, the revelation of the understanding of the authority that actually rests there through the word of Jesus, that our expectations aren't at the level of understanding the very fact that we are obedient to his word, that his word will not return to him void, and that he's not a God that he should lie. And so a lot of times we go and pray for people and nothing happens because we don't actually believe it's necessarily going to. We hope for the best, but we're not supposed to be walking in necessarily in hope. We're supposed to be walking in faith because it says the just shall live by faith. And so if we can get the revelation of his word being true, regardless of what the situation says, so that when we approach a situation, we do it not from the realm of expectation of our physical senses and what the situation actually says, but we we walk into a situation with the revelation that God has already declared his will over that situation and has already made the provision available. We can walk into the situation with the provision and the answer available. You know, many times people um, will pray to the Lord to provide for something before they're willing to actually walk into the place where they need the provision because they lose sight of the fact that he said that, it, that he's Jehovah Jireh, the God who will provide. And it's like, um, it's sort of like Bill Johnson said earlier in the message, a lot of times we'll, we'll say prayers that make absolutely no sense, go contrary to the word of God, because the Bible says that the man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And it says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And if we're filling up our mind with declarations that go contrary to what the word of God declares, we're putting in our mind false thoughts which counteract the revelation of who he really is and what his word has declared and the authority and power he has 
over this world and over everything we do. When we ask for his presence to be somewhere and we pray, God, let your presence be here, let your presence come, let your presence descend upon this place, we do that in ignorance because we don't understand that his presence is already manifest and his presence is already there even without us having to say one word. We don't have to pray for the presence of God to be anywhere because his presence is always there. The Bible declares, where can I go from your spirit and where can I flee from your presence? Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Or God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So wherever we are, no matter what we do, the pre God's presence is already there. And if we would just come into agreement with him in the battlefield of our minds and let our and let what we understand in the spirit overrule what our thoughts think. The Bible says to cast down every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And sometimes our biggest problem is not necessarily the lack of the provision or the lackability of God, but the fact that we start listening to our own thoughts more than we listen to the spirit of God. And when we start listening to our own thoughts and our own opinions based on what we see in the physical realm, then we limit God being able to interact into the physical realm because we put a block up. Because once again, our eyes are not on him, they're on ourself. There's many places um, in the world where you can go in today's time and... Um, where you'll see miraculous healings, miraculous supernatural healings, um, supernatural everything. Um, but it's not because there's some special anointing that rests upon them, since it's the same Holy Spirit that rests upon all of us that the Bible says we're sealed with, but it's because some people will get the Word of God and they'll declare and they'll believe the Word of God to be true. And so when they encounter a situation where someone needs an answer, they already have the answer because they believe the answer regardless of what the situation says. But that kind of revelation doesn't come from reading. It doesn't come from audio tapes and um, sermons and books. It doesn't even come from the Bible unless you're getting the, unless you're getting it from the Bible with the revelation of the Holy Spirit who makes the word of life and gives you the understanding. But everything comes through intimacy with the Lord and learning to walk in a place of intimacy with Him so that your hearts in some ways become co-joined. Co so that when you approach the world around you, you're not doing it with the expectation or the thought process or even the emotions that your flesh would have, but you come at a, at a situation with the heart of God. It says Jesus would look upon the multitudes and he was moved with compassion. And we we should be moved with the same compassion for the world around us. And through that, understand the compassion of Jesus and the heart for Jesus for the situation and declare that to be true in the situation and watch the situation change. Not necessarily because we have a desire or want to have something happen because it's what the Father declared. And we come into agreement with his heart on the subject.
So this is for International Radio. Um, it's about 10 minutes left. Um, I'm going to end this off with some worship music. Um, we'll be back tomorrow night at 10 o'clock. If you need prayer between now and then, um, you can always email us at prayerinternational at gmail.com or prayer at um, prayerinternational.org. And um, so if you need something, um, give us a call. We still have 10 minutes or email us and we will see you tomorrow night.